Hi, this is Jim. And this is Bax. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Another week of it. Uh, <laughs> I really hope uh, there's anyone still listening. <laughs> Some people seem to enjoy that. Uh, hello, everybody. How you doing? Well, that's good. My name is Bill Matson. This is Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right. BSH Radio. Uh, we have a jam-packed show for you tonight. It is a bit of a different crowd here, so I have to start with the intros. First and foremost, my broadcast partner in crime, Steph Delicious, D. Steph Driver. I love that song, Bill. I, I know you do. <laughs> I think you love it because I don't. Uh, that definitely helps. <laughs> Joining us for the first time, our uh, managing editor, perhaps? Sure. The man in charge, Travis Hughes. I'm actually Kelly. It's been a weird week. <laughs> <laughs> That is where Kelly sits. See? Yeah. <laughs> the man who wants a hypotenuse for Christmas, Charlie O'Connor. I, I literally have nothing to say to that. <laughs> I heard that hippopotamus for Christmas song today, and I was like, ooh, I'm using this joke I just thought of. This is going to go over like gangbusters. I don't even know what's happening. <laughs> and last but not least, I just realized I don't know your last name, but Kurt R. Don't worry about it. <laughs> no one knows. The man of mystery. <laughs> In, in, my, in my eighth grade yearbook, they got my last name wrong. Oh. True story. True story. <laughs> well, then it clearly doesn't count. It's, it's not a real name. All right, but I'm glad to be here. That's great. Uh, so the Flyers are a 500 team. Uh, Mark Strike calls that unacceptable. So I just want to start the show kind of with the same question we started with last week. Is that unacceptable? Is this any different than what you expected? Are they better? Are they worse? Go off of that. I think think that this is kind of what we expected them to be. They're they're still in the middle of the rebuild and they're better than they were last year, but still trying to make it all work. I certainly want the players to think they're better than a 500 team. Like I that's a good point. It's much better than them saying, "No, we're totally fine with this." Like, no, I want them to be dissatisfied with how they're playing. At the same time, there's there's there's, there's positives here. You know, their their advanced numbers are pretty good. Their power plays great. Goaltending is still not great, but at least it's not as bad as it was two or three weeks ago. So that's a plus. Which is all we are asking for. Just don't be the worst. (laughs) Of course, the thing about a 500 record in the NHL is it doesn't mean anything because like 80% of the teams are 500. I mean, they've won eight games and they've lost 
eight games in regulation. And I think they're still, what, right now, like five, six points out of a playoff spot. So I guess 500, some people equate that to be like average and it's not. And I think we, like last year, the Flyers won and lost 41 games each. And this year they're below that mark. So I think most of us had this idea the Flyers were going to be better this year than they were last year. And so far they haven't played up to that. So I think it's fair to be disappointed. And yes, they should be. You want them to be disappointed by this. So I think they know some things need to change. Yeah. And if you look at the standings, I mean, they're really pretty much right there in the Metropolitan still. I mean, the Blue Jackets have won four games in a row and they're only two points ahead of the Flyers or three points ahead of the Flyers. So how maddening is that? Uh, the, I hate them. Get, let them have fun for like a week. It'll, it'll be over soon. Are they on like Ottawa's um, level for you? Or? <laughs> no. No, it's just Tortorella. It's they're, really just Tortorella. They're such a weird team. Like, they're not good. They're not good. But then they go and blow out good teams, and it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, they gave the Montreal their first regulation loss of the season, and it was 10 to nothing. 10 nothing. I don't even understand. That's a football score. Right? I think, <laughs> I think the real disappointment in the Flyers from fans... Uh, at least for me, is I didn't expect the offense to be so good right away. And since it is, you wanted at least league average goaltending. You didn't want to bleed chances the way they did, to use a Charlie term, uh, to start the year. And to see, like, oh, man, they could they could easily be in the top three in the division if it wasn't for just really awful goaltending and some awful defensive lapses. So I think that's really where a lot of the the disappointment comes from. And when the players see we win the shot battle almost every single night and we're 500, I I can see that that's disappointing on their end. Uh, Before we get into this uh, very real and very likely uh, Shane Gostaspare trade rumor, uh, (laughs) Matilda sucks, right? The worst. (laughs) What? What the hell do you expect when you just go ahead and generalize an entire region and say you're assholes? I love it, personally. I think we've been too soft recently with all this, yeah, tanking's fine, like all this. I think it's time for us to be more like flare-shooting assholes like we were in the past. And it starts with everyone (laughs) tweeting at Matilda and telling her what's up. Well, they did, and it was all, from what she said, all Eagles fans. Like, everyone with, like, Eagles avies. Well, I I mean, we all know that Eagles Twitter is by far the worst part of Philadelphia Twitter. (laughs) I really hope, I really... Philly Twitter's great. I really loving people as long as they're not talking about the Eagles. I really hope we all love. I really hope don't don't get it twisted. I really hope EDP makes a video. Oh, all all about all about. Is EDP even from Philadelphia? I I don't think he is. He lives in California, doesn't he? I thought it was like Texas. Not from here. It just it it drives me insane. So all right, you're doing this a Monday after the Eagles lost, and the whole region feels that. Whether you're really a football fan or not the whole region feels yeah, the loss everyone whether you're an eagles fan or not wanted their free dunkin donuts today and and, and we didn't, didn't get, get it. it dunkin donuts coffee's trash though let's be real but it's that. free <laughs> that's yeah. true free free coffee's better it's than free no it's coffee. for me you pay for say <laughs> all coffee's trash but oh. second in second in oh god shut off the right. taylor Speaking but, but no 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 i'm not done talking still... about matilda yet uh, fine. this is fine because this should be the time of yelling about sports so right we'll so i'm not done yelling about Matilda and I I actually yelled these exact same things right before the show but I'm going to yell about them now so you go ahead and say that that New Yorkers have the right to be assholes they've earned it because they the mayor said because they're 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 dealing with no space and they've got places to be what the fuck do you think Philly is 
Like, I got places to be. Nah. I really don't. I do. <laughs> and our highways in and out of the city are only two lanes each. Every single one. And nobody in Pennsylvania knows how to drive, so that's real madness. That's Jersey. It's Pennsylvania. <laughs> so speaking of... There's no place on earth that thinks they have good drivers. <laughs> Just want to throw that out there. So speaking of uh, trash, NHL rumors... NHLRumors.me, which is very clearly a professional website with outstanding sources. Just screams trustworthiness. Uh, many people are telling them that Shane Gostisbehere's relationship is strained, and it's uh, it's highly likely that the failing Philadelphia Flyers get rid of their best player. Sad. 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 <laughs> you know... Aside from the fact that all these these trade rumor sites are just a, an absolute joke, and they have been for the past pretty much ever since Twitter got going, it doesn't make any sense because of why they scratched him. Like it would be a different story if they scratched Gosses Bear and then they kept scratching Gosses Bear because they were clearly frustrated with his play and didn't think he could help the team. And then it's like, all right, well now we got to trade him because the coach doesn't like him. They scratched him for one game. They won the game, and they put him back in the lineup immediately. And he led the team in ice time because, the next Because night. it was clearly like a message-sending thing that he's trying, whether you agree with it or not, the justification behind it was, we think this will make him a better player in the future. So if you're making, if you're, if you're making a roster move based upon improving a guy for the future, then why would you then trade him? Like it makes no logical sense whatsoever. Why would why would here's a here's just something else. Why would Montreal, who just got rid of PK Subban, then <laughs> trade for Shane Gostisbehere, who everybody in the world is hoping turns into PK Subban? <laughs> uh, the whole thing was. Uh, I, well, you know he does have a French cousin. It's so it's. <laughs> It's the most maddening thing in the world. Like, I have a journalism degree, and I really uh, hate journalism. But when I read that first paragraph, it's a two-paragraph story. (laughs) It's like five sentences. It's a two-paragraph story, and the first paragraph is all made-up nonsense. The relationship between the Flyers and Jane Goss's Bear is strained. Well, no, haven't seen anything about that well, other than nope. like things I've yelled about on this show, like thinking <laughs> there must be something up between them other than what it is, but I, that's unconfirmed completely. And and then and unsubstantiated. The second paragraph then goes into Chuck Gormley, an NHL reporter, uh, said that actually it says a reporter for the NHL, yeah, which doesn't mean anything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, reported Habs assistant GM Scott Mellenby was at his second straight Flyers game. The first one was the one Ghost didn't play in. So Wait. the fact that he would be there scouting ghosts, well, but, he had to see how ghosts looked in the press box. Well, I mean, he looks great in a suit, which is another he had, he, he another had mark against him. Copies of his resume on like fine <laughs> resume paper up in the press box. He had to find a suit on, talk for a few minutes, you know, well, trying the, to make a good impression. These are like the facts in this. In this, it's actually six sentences. So Scott Mellenby was at his second straight Flyers game. The Habs have said they need a left defenseman to play with Shea Weber. Shane Goss's bears traded to the Habs. Like that's that's how it goes. One, two, three. Like that's are, are how how do you even get from A to B to the the Russian alphabet? Like how does that work? I love the last sentence. Look for the Canadians to make a trade with the Flyers. Like oh yeah, I just gave you a whole bunch of hypothetical stuff. So this is true. Well, well, well Travis, yeah. I think for for years you have kind of oh. made your bones taking apart these awful rumors on Brushy Hockey. And yeah, you, you 
provided a pretty good breakdown of like what drives these types of things. So there's a formula here, right? Like it's always a hot player who 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 wants to be talked about, who's, who's being talked about all over the place. B something happens that's at least somewhat adversarial, like a healthy scratch. C he's going to a Canadian team. So you take these idiot <laughs> Canadian <laughs> fan bases, these idiot Canadian fan bases that just don't. They're just crazy. Usually Toronto or Montreal or Vancouver. And all of a sudden, they're there. And it's just, it's, it's a formula. I, I looked at that same website today. Uh, I believe it's uh, Martin Hansel's going to the Canadians as well. Oh, wow. So it's, it's a formula. And the if old, you pay attention at all, you can, you can see right through it. The old hockey insider formula with two Y's and two R's. The, guy, the byline on this story is the NHL insider. It's just probably the same person. He's probably, he's probably driving a BMW around like Insider-er. this. And people went nuts about this today, which is especially like the site itself looks like I built it drunk yesterday <laughs> just, to, just to float this rumor to get nuts about it. Like, I, I, yeah. Look, between the Eagles and Matilda, we were all really on edge today, guys. <laughs> That's so true. And so, like, <laughs> I think Scott Bellamy actually might live in the Philadelphia area, by the way, because he's been here. He's, he comes here a lot, and he's he played here for a long time. And I know he's from Montreal, but I, so I'm not sure. But I think that Scott Melody might have a house here, so maybe that's why he's here. And uh, part of it, as we said before the show, they, he could be doing any number of things at this Flyers game. Perhaps just taking in a game if he lives in the area. Hey, I can go watch a game tonight. Right. But like, there was another team on the ice that he could just have easily been scouting. His division rival, but his team's division rival yeah. is right below them in the standings. Yeah. They're probably going to play three or four more times this year. And yeah. an actual good team, yeah, mm. one of those. Not to, and the Flyers probably are looking to move a left shot defenseman, but probably one with an expiring contract to a team like uh, the Canadians, who are you know moving, who are you know. High in the standings and looking to make a move this year. Uh, Mark Streit and Michael Delzato both have expiring contracts. Or, or, or Nick Schultz. Or Nick Sch- Literally anybody. The Flyers aren't trading Shane Gostas, but like, it's just not happening. <laughs> this is. Uh, and I will remember, like, uh, when I was writing for Bleacher Report around the time of the Richards and Carter trades, I said the exact same thing vehemently. <laughs> so, of course, Gostas Bear will be traded tomorrow to the Habs, and we will all. You know, no, to, the Kings, you to the LA Kings. To the LA Kings. Actually, not the Blue Jackets. The Blue Jackets. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I, I just people went nuts over this today. I guess just people just read headlines, right? Like, yeah, we all have should... written things for the internet before, and so, people only read headlines. I wrote that story today on Broad Street Hockey, making fun of this. And if you click the story, it calls you an idiot. <laughs> but. But but the Thanks headline. But the, <laughs> if if you believed it, of course, not everybody's an idiot. But um, well, <laughs> but no, I mean, the amount of responses I got to the headline that was just like, "Are the Flyers interested in trading Shane Gosses Bear?" The amount of responses we got on Twitter to that are like, "Why are you guys talking about this? This isn't like people don't read. They don't read the stories." <laughs> so there are two comments on this story that I just need to mention. Of course, they're not loading. Right Always now, read the comments. Are these Always? Facebook comments or? Are on the site. They're on the site <laughs> on, on NHLTradeRumors.me. So if you're looking oh, oh, for. On that site. On oh, that okay. site. Okay. Even better. Yeah. On Even that better. site. So the first is thank you for the reporting. Now I can put another, another publication on the do not fucking ever read again as they are clueless <laughs> list. And the next is whoever wrote this needs to put the crack pipe down. <laughs> that's, that's about right. Yeah, Travis. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. I've got a side business. It's all right. <laughs> 
I, I, it's it's just funny to me that Pete. I don't know. When you see the Flyers are looking to trade Shane, I guess it's just this overreactive. We're all a little crazy about things sometimes. Well, and the Flyers, the Flyers can be as well. You know, they went out. They 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 had Bobrovsky. He had a bad playoff, and they were like. 50 million Briz! Well, it's also the fact that everyone is still kind of getting over the shockwave of the fact that he got scratched in the first place. Yeah. yeah. And everybody yeah. was already livid about that. Mm-hmm. And then three days later, it's like, hey, you might get That's, traded. And yeah. of course, everybody's going to go nuts That's, because they're already angry about the thing that happened last week. When I did the night shift on WIP uh, that night, I believe, uh, I went on and, you know, Big Daddy Graham is just asking me, there has to be something else. This can't, like, I, I gave him all your numbers that you gave me to talk me down off a ledge. <laughs> and he was like, well, if everything you're saying is true, and he's been their best defenseman, it has to be some kind of undisclosed disciplinary thing. Right? It, that, I, I, don't, we, I don't think we, I think so. we tossed that around briefly at some point last week, and you can't totally rule it out, but I feel like... Hextall and Hextall would say that. Like, earlier today, John Klingberg was scratched for the Dallas Stars, and there was a little bit of freak out there. Like, why would they do that? He's one of the best defensemen in the NHL. Turns out he missed a meeting. And <laughs> and they scratched him. I guess fair is fair. Something similar happened with Alex Ovechkin last year. I remember he overslept, and they scratched him for a game. But I feel like the team sort of gain something in the eyes of its fan base if it just says, hey, this is what happened. He screwed up. We want to hold everyone to the same standard. Now, at the same time, they don't really need to concern themselves with that, I guess. They're not over here no. watching us on Twitter erupt because Andrew McDonald is playing for Shane Gossett. At the same there. time, though, Ron Hextall has to go to Wawa to get his coffee, too. I mean, like, he's got to talk to people every day. And, like, if they're just like, yo, why'd you scratch Ghost? Like, I think he probably gives them an answer, right? Like, he, I don't think he's, like, I don't think he's just going to mislead us on purpose. Like, I think Dave Hextall legitimately thought that this was a thing. And it's stupid, but I think he still, I think he believed it. I, if it was a disciplinary thing, I'm glad they didn't disclose it because people get nuts about that stuff and it starts crazy narratives. Like, we'd be on this show, like, oh my God, is this another dry island issue? Like, <laughs> did he show up to morning skate hungover? Like, and that starts a snowball effect that, while no, Twitter backlash doesn't matter, it eventually does. It gets there, coaches sure. fired. So what you're saying is maybe Mara Wilson had a point. Sorry, <laughs> Matilda. 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 <laughs> but has there been any further explanation for ghost scratching? The, no. The only thing that I've seen is the article by Greg Wyshensky. And I can't pronounce names, so I'm. I, I, I always call him. You know? I always call him Wisniewski in my head. Okay, yeah. which Wisniewski, is yeah. Greg. I don't think that's right. Greg, just Greg. Greg, 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 <laughs> Greg Yahoo. Um, which I mean, it, it was a weird article where it started just kind of running through Dave Hackstall's background as the Flyers coach, um, saying that a lot of people thought he was only hired because he coached. Um, Ron Hextall's son in college. I don't remember that, that being a thing, a thing at like, all. That was not a very, all. like, a very minor point of his hiring, I think. Maybe some people looked a lot into it, but that wasn't really a No. Thing. I mean, that's, maybe that's and why... And that's something I would have made a big deal out of. Like, I'm a carnival barker, you know? Like, <laughs> I absolutely would have made a deal out of that if I thought it was a big thing. And maybe that's why Ron Hextall knew who he was, but that's not why he was hired. I mean, he's got a, a, a fairly solid resume, um, but then it's going into saying, all right, well, they made the playoffs last year, yay, but then scratched Shane Gossespierre and the world erupted, naturally, because that's what we do. 
Um, and then he says, there's no defending this move from a hockey perspective. Even after the Flyers 5-2 win over the Jets, Gosses Bear has been the Flyers' best defenseman. Taking him off the ice makes the Flyers a worse team on paper. And that's not what he was going for. That he was willing to put the two points in jeopardy to make a larger point to the locker room. So basically, Ghost was the sacrificial lamb to show the rest of the room, the rest of the locker room, like you ain't shit. Th- th- this works when you do that for players who deserve it too. Like you have to scratch guys like Chris Vandevelde also if you're going to do it for guys like Shane Gostisbehere, right? Like accountability doesn't work when you're just picking your you're picking weird right. spots to, to to do it. It, it doesn't make any sense. But yeah. does my only thing about that is nobody in that locker room bats an eyelash if Chris Vandevelde's out of the lineup. They go, okay, yeah, he's a fourth line player who's no good. Okay, he's out of the lineup. Some other guy is tonight. Whatever. There's five guys you can scratch who will make everyone go, oh, shit. All right, message. And only one of them is a young guy that you can use the teachable moment excuse, and that's Ghost. If you scratch Jeru Voracek, Simmons, or Couturier, like, uh, that's just inexcusable. Ghost, at least you can try to justify with something else. I don't. I don't buy it. I really don't buy the message. Not that like coaches wouldn't do that. I don't think Haxtell would. I think really when it comes down to it, in a lot of ways, I believe this was almost a result of the Raffle scratch because he scratched Raffle because he decided Raffle wasn't playing up to what he believed were Raffle's standards, as well as Raffle could play. Raffle gets a scratch, comes back the next game, and absolutely kills it. And my interpretation of what happened was, for whatever reason, he was unhappy with the way Gosses Bear was playing, and he looks at it and he says, well, it worked for Raffle, I think it'll work for this guy, and hopefully we can use this as a, t- as a teaching moment for him for the future. Like, we think he'll be a better defenseman two years down the road because he got told you know, today that, hey— having some breakdowns in the defensive zone are not acceptable. Now, whether that's actually going to work, I have no idea. But I don't think it was I don't think it was a message sending moment to the stars on the team because the stars in this team are not stupid. Like <laughs> I, I think I think like that's what it comes down to. You can very obviously tell and everybody on that team knows that the main reason why this team isn't playing that well is because the goaltenders haven't been playing that well. Like, yeah, they know that they've had some breakdowns, but they also know that when your goalies are stopping 88% of the shots and you're 500, that's probably the reason. Like, you can sell this as Gosses Bear will be better because of this move. I don't think you can sell this as Cludge Roo will be better because of this move. That just, I think, is just taking things way too far. Just my opinion. And to your point, if if it really is Hackstall doesn't, Think that Ghost is playing up to where he should be, or is, or even isn't outright isn't playing well. That in and of itself is a little worrisome, just because, oh, like you said on Friday, he's been fine, like arguably better than last year, despite spending what three quarters of his ice time this year he's with Andrew McDonald. He's been the best defenseman on the team. He's been the best defenseman on the team. That's my so, biggest concern yeah. with all of this: is if this is a purely hockey. That's why I'm hoping it's an undisclosed disciplinary thing, honestly, because if this is a purely hockey move. That's really bad. Well, I don't think it's that's a, ho- a coaching issue. I don't think it's a hockey move in the sense that like there's no way and and I'm maybe I'm going too far, but I don't. Because the reason why I don't think I'm going too far is because he was back in the line at the next game, even despite the fact the team won. And McDonald but, had a primary assist. And McDonald had a primary assist. But like there's no way any rational 
hockey viewer. I don't care whether you just watch your kid play on Saturdays in some rec league. Like, there's no way you can watch Shane Goss's bear and think to yourself, yeah, you know, we have a better chance of winning this game if Andrew McDonald's playing instead of him. Like, it's, just, it's not, like, there's no way he didn't realize that I was giving my team a worse chance to win that game by swapping McDonald for Goss's bear. The only way I think you can justify it is if you're making the long-term argument that Goss's bear will be better over the long-term than... You know, and somebody said, "Well, why didn't you scratch Delzato? Delzato was worse the night before than than mm-hmm. than Gossiper. And you know what? Delzato 100% was. The thing is, is that they have nothing invested in Michael Delzato's development. Michael Delzato is it's probably true. not going to be on the team next year, whereas Shane Gossiper hopefully will be on the team for the next 10 years. Well, that's the hope. You would hope, unless is, he's in Montreal. Well. Is Ghost <laughs> next to Shea Weber? Another former How flyer. former flyer? How great! Like I, it would really suck for all of us. Like I, but like it would be really fun to yell about Shea Weber and Ghost being with the Habs. No, no, my blood. I would need to start blood pressure medicine at thirty years old because oh, I, I, I would. Just, I, I, I know. I would do this show on drugs, but like I would love to do it. But no, uh, is uh, is Ghost uh, struggling with turnovers? Is this like a real? Narrative, or is this one of those made-up things? No, I, I mean no more than he did last year. It, it, so Corey shut down line does the the exit tracking, and I haven't looked at what he tracked this past weekend. But going into that game, he had in terms of like touches versus turnovers, he had the third lowest percentage on the defense. Now that you, know, you can make the argument that well, everyone on the defense is turning the puck over too much, and that's totally fair. But no, I don't think he's turning the puck over any more than his peers. The the argument you can make is that he's been a he's had issues in coverage, which he has hundred percent. He's had issues in coverage. He's gotten lost when they do switch offs in the defensive zone. He's made some mistakes when they've been covering the rush. He hasn't been quite as aggressive on his neutral zone coverage as he as he was last year. But like, despite those issues with regard to him being a little bit looser than usual in terms of coverage in the D zone. He's helping the Flyers to create better chances this year in the offensive zone. So even if you're saying this is a guy who's gotten a little bit, you know, who's regressed a bit defensively, he's making up for it by creating more offensively. So the net gain is positive. Right. You come back to it and like, yeah, like the Flyers have been one of the better scoring teams in the NHL this year. And like part of that is Shane Gostisbehere, yeah. right? Like, I mean, that's the, 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 the goal of hockey is to score goals. And Shane Gostisbehere is helping the Flyers achieve that goal. So I, is that true? <laughs> I should say the word goal again. Big if so. Big if true. Uh, it's, kind of analysis you can only get here. <laughs> it, to, like I think we've discussed this plenty of times before, but for a guy like Gostaspair, I don't want him in the defensive zone at all. And I think his problem in the defensive zone is that he's with Andrew McDonald for most of the year. Mm-hmm. Like That was dumb. Didn't help. Y- you have a guy who's going to concede the zone playing with a guy who's not very good in it. Yeah, that's going to lead to defensive breakdowns. I, don't have him with somebody who's going to be playing in the defensive zone all the time. Uh, well, that and when Delzato came back, he's been struggling. So Shane has still had to cry, kind of drag him yeah, around. There a needs bit. to be some kind of like tutorial on not diving to make every single defensive. Yeah, this team good. goes down to make every play. All six defensemen, they all do it. And now Delzato's adapted this um, starfish move where he just flops <laughs> around. I've never seen anything like it. A second goal against Tampa on Saturday. That was not good. It was horrific. <laughs> that was not good. Like that was bad ice dancing is what it was. <laughs> I... I I'm more concerned over, and this is this is something that we we've been talking about a lot. Dave Haxtall, what are you doing? Hmm. 
I, I'm concerned that if this is something that he thinks is to either send a message to Shane or to the locker room, that we're, we're coming back to the college coach mentality where you can kind of push around the players because they're young and you're molding them. This whole team is not young and they're all professional hockey players. So there's only so much of that they're going to take. The, the Chip Kelly problem. Yeah, I know it is. That's exactly <laughs> it. And, and we're very familiar with what Chip <laughs> Kelly did to the locker room of the Eagles and the team and how he destroyed the team. Like if... If that's kind of what's going on here, I'm already in panic mode. My my big concern with Hackstall right now is I tweeted this, I think, on Friday night while I was in New Orleans drinking whiskey. That was nice. Um, but anyway. You, need, you needed a vacation. I, I was, it was a nice vacation. But um, basically, last year, one of the reasons why I felt like he did so well as a rookie head coach is because he had he seemed to have an, an inherent understanding of like risk versus reward. And that, hey, I can let Shane Gosses bear freelance a little bit because he's so good offensively that he's going to make up for any mistakes he makes. And in the end, the Flyers went on a great run at the end of the year, got to the playoffs. Yeah, they didn't win in the playoffs, but they were against a team that was better than them, so it wasn't that big of a surprise. This year, he started out the year kind of letting them do the same thing. It was you know, aggressive in the neutral zone, you know, you know, pinching in the offensive zone, aggressive forecheck. And the funny thing was is that the underlying results – we're still good. The Flyers are still out shooting teams. The Flyers are still driving play. But when you see night after night after night as a coach, when you see the results aren't there, I worry that you can think to yourself, well, maybe my maybe my concept of risk versus reward isn't as good as I thought it was. Maybe he's second guessing. And now he's second-guessing and then he himself, starts yeah. second guessing himself. And then he looks at a guy like Gossesbear and says, you know, maybe I was wrong give him that much freedom. Maybe I do need to rein him in. And then if you see like that get rewarded by a win against Winnipeg when you get outshot and dominated and you think, well, I mean, we tightened it up and, and it worked. Like that's what I worry about. I don't want him to have positive reinforcement of a bad process. And I hope that's not happening here. Yeah, I mean that's kinda that kind of thing happens, I guess, with these kind of players, because ghost Ghost was good last year, objectively good, but also had some good fortune. And I guess when you take risks and they always keep working out the way it seemed like did last year, everything you touched turned to gold, like, like you're going to overlook any negatives that come with it. And this year that hasn't quite happened. We all knew that he would maybe drop a bit. He shot, what, 12% last year? Defensemen don't do that long term. And that hasn't even been the problem this year, but I guess more has gone in for the other team. And, yeah, you do worry that maybe he's forced to rein it back in a bit. And that's not how Shane Goss' Bears is going to be successful in any of the teams. No, the Flyers are going to be successful. Like, yeah. the Flyers yeah. will be successful by being a risk-taking team because those are the teams that win in the NHL these days. I, uh, I refer to this a lot, but uh, I read Bobby Orr's book, I guess, beginning of last season. And uh, he talks about how he was coached. And he just says all. He talks about creativity and like the risk reward idea. And he just says, "Thank God, I never had a coach tell me like, don't take chances, don't be creative. I, I, every coach I ever had, let me do what I do, and they were all rewarded for it. And I look at a guy like Shane Gostisbehere who plays that kind. He's, I, I 
personally think Bob Ewer is the best to ever play. I'm not saying Gostas Bear is him, but a guy who plays that. Yeah, a guy who plays that. (laughs) A guy who plays that game. If you take away the things he does that give you that competitive advantage every night, what good is having him if you're not if you're telling him don't take chances? Yeah, Igor Larionov wrote a very similar thing on Mm -hmm. uh, the I think the Players Tribune last year, and it was basically like how coaches in North America have this tendency to like tamp down their players and take the creativity out of the game and how it's so much different in Russia and in Europe. Um, yet you worry about that with, with guys like, like Dave Haxtell. I mean, he's, mm-hmm. he's a North American coach, born and bred. And, you know, I mean, he comes from a college system that's a lot different than the NHL, obviously. And, you know, like, like Charlie said, I mean, you hope that, that, you know, I think, I think his brain's in the right place, but yeah, if you get that reinforcement, it's, it's going to change him. That's just, that's just reality. And, and I mean, this is the second time within a week that we've seen him do this. I mean, Michael Roffel should never have been scratched. Shane Gossespierre should never be scratched, just in, in the reality of the game. It's concerning. All right. Uh, I guess we're going to stick with Dave Haxtall. What are you doing? This is actually a move I, I kind of like, though. Uh, the line shuffling after the Tampa Bay loss. Uh, they practiced, I believe, this morning. And uh, Shannon Giroux still in the top line. Voracek up, Simmons down with Couturier and Konechny. What are we thinking? I'm totally fine with it. I I think in one of my observations last week, I proposed maybe moving Konechny up to uh, to line one. Um, but this is fine, too. Uh, that's just because I, I like having Giroud and Voracek split up. I, I think stacking them on a line, it, 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 it concentrates too much of the elite talent on one line. At the same time, the reason why I like this is because Braden Shen has not been good at 5-on-5 five five this year. And you look at it and you say to yourself, okay, well, maybe, like, if he can't, if he can't pull his head above water at 5-on-5 five five with Claude Giroux and Jake Voracek, then we have a serious problem. We might as well identify we have that problem. You have a $5 million problem. Yeah, we might as well identify we have that problem by giving him as much help as possible before you, you know, send him down to the third or fourth line and just kind of figure, okay, well, we better cut our losses and try to win games rather than help Braden Shen. He should succeed here. Like, Voracek and Drew are so good that he should not fail here. I mean, just kind of crossing your fingers that he doesn't fail here, but... And then you look at second line, Konechny, Couturier, Simmons, that's more than enough offense to score. Yeah, it doesn't have Voracek, but you've got a 30-goal scorer, you've got a dynamic rookie, and then you've got a really good defensive center. Like That should be enough to at least be an above-average second line. Yeah, and Jake Voracek, this has been talked about a lot, Jake Voracek has been really good this year, so that should help Shen. And Giroux, I mean, his 5-on-5 scoring hasn't quite been there as much as we'd be hoping for this year. So, yeah, having Voracek up there should help. Like in that game against Tampa the other day, they didn't score. He probably could have had four or five goals in that game that either just went wide or were stopped by Vasilevsky, who was having quite a game. Um, And, yeah, he looks like the guy that he needs to be, quite frankly, Jake does. And I guess by putting him up in that spot, you can maybe try and jumpstart both of them. And if that happens, then things should be fine. I think I said last week, like, Claude Giroux is an elite-level puck handler, but I don't see him as as a puck carrier the way I do Jake Voracek. And we were all getting really tired of seeing Claude Giroux have to play dump and chase with Simmons and Shen, guys who just don't carry the puck into the zone. And this is a team that, Claude Giroux, once you're set up in the offensive zone, is as effective as anybody. And if this helps them get that, then I fully expect that 5-on-5 scoring to come back for Giroux. And 
Drew and Voracek have had the most success in their careers playing with each other, other than the one year Drew, you know, played with Hartnell and Yarmer Yager. Sure. But uh, so uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what this looks like. And like you said, Konechny, Couturier, Simmons. Simmons has improved himself every year. He's a really effective five on five player now. And Konechny has proven himself to be good enough to create chances without uh, Jake Voracek. It's not like Voracek was pulling him along. Uh, so I-, I-, I like what I'm seeing here. Like you, I like Voracek and Giroux split up, but. This is what they have to do right now because of the failings of Shen and the way, you know, the top six has looked. And and also, Sean Couturier is not really producing many points. True. Yeah. So maybe maybe this will kind of light his fire a little bit. Yeah. The, the, uh, the other issue is Shen isn't going to drive play uh, on a third line. Uh, and they're keeping that Raffle-Belmar-Reed uh, line together. Yeah, well, if you're going to... I think I said this last week. Like, if you're insistent upon Belmar being the three C, which I think is a questionable proposition, anyway. But like, if that's just if that's just going to be a thing, and we just kind of got to accept it, then having him with two play drivers in Raffle and Reed is probably the best way to mitigate the fact that he constantly gets that Belmar constantly gets buried in the defensive zone because he's just not that good defensively. Um, I think if you you know, maybe the best way to quote unquote optimize the top two lines would be to replace Roth, replace Shen with Raffle. But then I don't know if a Shen Belmar Reed line, as you hinted at, can drive play. I, I like Matt Reed. I don't think he can drag both those guys. No. Shen is good at putting the puck in maybe. the net yeah, no, when he's, he's in the scorer. offensive zone. And, 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 and Getting wanna, there is tough for yeah, him. Yeah, and like I want to be clear, like Braden Shen is not a like a worthless player. He is a scorer. He is not a play driver. Like when when he's doing well, he is Basically breaking even from a from a you know a Corsi a shot attempt standpoint, and then he's being very good in the offensive zone. He's you know creating havoc in front of the net. He's taking good shots. He's creating chances. This year with Giroux, and I, I looked this up I think this morning, but like I think I believe with Giroux, he like Giroux with Shen is like a forty eight percent Corsi guy, and then Giroux without Shen is like fifty seven. So like it's pretty clear that Giroux has been significantly better this year away from Shen. Now the hope is you. Now put Voracek in that mix too, and then you kind of solve that problem. But Chen has not been the break-even possession player that he needs to be in order to score well at five on five. He just hasn't. He's been a straight-up liability at five yeah. on five, which he can't be. Uh, Van de Velde, Cousins, uh, Weiss. I just want to always say Weiss. Just, it looks just, like Weiss to just me. Say it. It's Van de Velde, Cousins, Weiss. Until he scores a goal, we will not call him by his name. <laughs> and he's only here for twenty more years. So. Yeah. Is uh, is Weiss is Weiss kind of turning a turning a corner a little bit? No. I've, I've liked what I've seen from from Weiss. And granted, I didn't I did not catch the Tampa game, so I don't know if he if he fell back into bad habits in the Tampa game. But yeah, I thought he'd been playing better. He's he's been actually driving play okay. Um, what I've been able kind of to determine through breaking down the micro stats is that his big problem has been the offensive zone. Like he's been pretty good defensively. You can argue he's been very good in the neutral zone. Like he's generated a higher percentage of individual controlled zone entries than Giroux, which is something that you're like, wow. I mean, how the heck did that happen? But he's been good in the neutral zone. He's been pushing play forward. It's just once he gets in the offensive zone, he's a waste of space. <laughs> he's not creating. He's not. He's not shooting. He's not creating shots with passes. He's just kind of there. And, you know. That sounds bad. It's not good. <laughs> it's actually not good. But uh, can he get better at that? Maybe. I mean, if you look at it like last year, the entire team couldn't 
do a damn thing in the offensive zone for the first two months of the year. So maybe this is him just getting used to what the Flyers do in the offensive zone. Or maybe he's just not that good of a scorer. I mean, this is a guy who, for the first, what, like four years of his career, was basically a fourth liner. I mean, maybe he just, you know, had a good run in Montreal and then convinced everybody he could be a middle six guy, and he's really not. I don't think he's useless. He's he's better than, like, a Ryan White, I think. It's just that you're hoping that he starts adding in some offensive, you know, contributions because he got him signed for four years. I don't understand why the fourth line is Vandevelde, Cousins, and Weiss when Cousins, I don't think, is a fourth line player. Why doesn't Hackstall trust Cousins? Uh, Am I, I look at him and I see a pretty decent player. Am I wrong or... Uh, 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 he's. I think he's better than Belmar. I mean, he should. He should be in Belmar's spot, right? Yes. Right. Probably. Right. Yes. Everyone else Probably. sees it too. Yes. I. I just. Belmar has zero percent chance of scoring a goal when he goes in. <laughs> uh, when he, he like when he scores, it is an, and that means the other team, all five skaters and the goalie, made mistakes. Wow. Yeah. Well, here's here's an interesting thing about about Cousins. if he scores an empty netter, yeah. the other team made a huge mistake. Yeah, fair point. But an interesting thing about Cousins' numbers, and again, these are small sample sizes, but coaches care about this sort of thing. Nick Cousins has been an atrocious faceoff guy in his NHL career. Like last year, he was a forty six percent guy. This year, he's twenty five percent. Like, and if a coach is one of the re- one of the things that popped up this year is that Cousins has consistently been used on the wing, and. The argument that people have made, including me, is that Cousins is very good in generating defensive zone exits, and centers do more of that than wingers because they stay lower in yeah. the defensive zone. And that's why I believe that if you're going to use, if you're going to play him, you might as well play him at center. But if the coach is looking at this and saying, "Well, he can't win faceoffs," he's and, crushing us on yeah, face-offs. I mean, and and, yeah. and I I am of the belief that faceoffs are overrated in terms of their overall impact on the game, but coaches. Even really smart ones still believe faceoffs are ultra ultra important because you remember when your guy loses a faceoff and then the goals get scored immediately. It's just confirmation bias there. I think offensive and defensive zone faceoffs are highly important. I think neutral zone faceoffs are greatly overrated, <laughs> I, and half of your faceoffs take place in the neutral zone. But uh, you see, a, like this Flyers team, when they win an offensive zone faceoff, especially their top six, it's impossible to get the puck away from them. But when you beat them, uh, they're not good enough to get it back. It's just one of those things. Yeah, it's important. It's just, yeah. uh, when it comes down to I think to it's a it, yeah. sample of all yeah. puck battles, honestly. It's, exactly. This guy, made that case. this guy wins these, so he must, like, Claude Giroux wins 55% of his faceoffs. So that must mean he wins a lot of his puck battles. Nick Cousins loses a lot of faceoffs, so he must consistently lose puck battles, I think is a better way to look at those numbers. And 25% is absolutely atrocious. I hadn't even seen that number. I just, you've got Scott Lawton, who just can't crack this lineup. Eight points in eight games in the AHL. To to save his life, or someone else's. Um, (laughs) And then you've got... Lubimov, Lubby. Lubby. Who, is he in the press box or is he injured? What is his, he's just scratch, right? He's a healthy scratch. And we still have Chris Vandevelde and Dale Weiss on the ice. I don't understand. This Vandevelde thing is going to continue to bother me for one reason. The penalty kill's terrible. I don't care if he's your best penalty killer. The penalty kill is bad. Like, I, I, I can't understand this thinking. They're allowing power plays to score at, like, an 80% clip, and somehow this guy is, is a can't-scratch penalty killer. Uh, I, Raffle was on the PK. 
about on, damn yeah, time. Vanderbilt got hurt. Right? Yeah, yeah, about but damn still. time. That I think has that been regular. I remember it happened because he was on the ice for Tampa's first goal on Saturday, but Couturier was in the box, so I don't know if he's I just think doing that, yeah, spot I think that's duty why. or what. Yeah. Okay. He might Better be like a, like a fifth or sixth PKer, but it, he's just a guy to me, considering he's a good defensive winger and he has experience at center and he's not like a necessary top six forward. He is the exact, like, this is what you want killing penalties. And he could maybe score a shorthanded goal, which I talked about at length last week. I miss shorthanded goals. I want more of them. They're pretty fun. They were really fun. It's like a triple in baseball. It's the most exciting play in hockey. (laughs) I think you've brought this up in the past, Charlie, but one reason they may not like Raffle there is because he's, like, it seems like he ends up getting himself hurt blocking shots a lot mm. of the time because he turns and like it's that weird shot blocking you know, like, style. Yeah, puts his calf right into it and ends up. It, it, you know, out it's for a it's funny weeks. because like people have asked him. Like I've been in I've been in the press press room or like the locker room or whatever. Like when people have asked him, you know, what the heck's up with that shot blocking style? You know, doesn't don't you think it like gets you hurt a lot? And his response is always like kind of indignant, and he's like. Well, no. I mean, if I do it right, I don't get hurt. It's like, well, but but if you if you do it wrong a lot, maybe you should stop doing that. I, I don't know. There's Ian Perrier made a career out of not blocking shots, right? So it's totally possible. We're we're gonna use also ended his career. Yeah, right. It was like yeah. air quotes with made a career yeah, the second time. <laughs> First one got him a job. God. So, Steve when, did, Mason, when does Jordan Wheel come up? Actually, the, yo, he. I, lo- I was looking at his numbers, and he's killing it in the AHL. The Phantoms are pretty good. He's uh, a great AHL player. <laughs> they just, they just don't he see just, him. Is he, he just Jason hurt. Atkinson? I thought someone. That's a. I've heard that comparison made. That's possible. Or a Peter a White. I, I was going to say Peter White. Yeah, the better skater. Blast in the past. I, I love Peter White. I had season tickets in ninety seven, ninety eight to the Phantoms, and he scored like fifty goals. He was he the was MVP. Like yeah, player. he was amazing, and like he was. He was a borderline fourth line player in the yeah. NHL. Like some guys can just score and can't skate at this level. And is that who Jordan Wheel is? We've only, seen is it, we've only seen him for like. Eight seconds, so <laughs> yeah. it's hard to know. Got like three games last year, I think. Uh, it's it, that kind of stuff is frustrating when you are consistently dressing, you know, right. a Dale Weiss, a Chris Vandevelde. Uh It's uh, yeah, but that's but, where, but, and that's where the question comes for me, right? It's like yeah, or okay. t- Taylor Lear, another guy having a good season. Try a young guy, like uh, can't hurt. Uh, Ron I Hextall mean, said we're we're in the business of winning games, not trying players out. So. 500 record. Well, Hextall, is a, he's he's notoriously conservative when it comes to young guys, and when he, he'll look at it, he'll say, well, I know I know what Chris Vandeveld is. I know he's an NHL ba- player. I know he's bad! Well, I mean, he's not good, but like, he's like, oh, I know he's an NHL player. I don't know if Taylor Lear is, is an NHL player. Like, there's just, that's, that's, it, it, that's the certainty aspect that makes a GM feel good. And that's annoying, because that's what gets Tyrell Goldborn drafted right before well, yeah. Pavel, Pavel Buchnevich. Yeah. Like, I probably butchered that name. I think you actually nailed it, and I'm shocked, but good job. But that, but that's that's the driving force behind why a guy like Taylor Lear is enough. A guy like Jordan Wheel is kind of different because Jordan Wheel is never going to get called up to replace Chris Vanden. Yeah, Jordan yeah. Wheel will get called up if like Konechny and then Simmons and then Voracek goes down. Then they call up a Jordan Wheel because they mm-hmm. plug him into the second line. That's uh, I'm not saying Jordan yeah. Wheel is uh, Jonathan Druin. 
but you see the well, situation. We don't know he's not. No, I'm, I just want to make that the easy. History kind of says probably. Yeah. I want to make that easy comparison. Yeah, in the same place. <laughs> I want to make that easy comparison in that you want guys to play their role. And Jordan Wheel is by no means a bottom six forward. Uh, he is a scorer. He's a guy who makes plays. And I'm not, if you have him in the lineup, you don't want him getting over the red line and, you know, trying to hit somebody. That's not what of, he does. It's a matter of line mates. Yeah. Like, in an ideal world, your fourth line is, and this is, again, my opinion, but in your ideal world, your fourth line isn't a fourth line. It's a right. fourth line filled with a bunch of scores. But, like, if you're going to call up Jordan Wheel and then play him alongside Belmar and Van Velde or Belmar and, <laughs> and Weiss, like, yeah, then you're not going to be. Oh, man, I can't believe Jordan Wheel isn't producing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is what? kind of what happened with Scott Lawton. Kind of. Kind of. Kind of. He his, did get his chances. biggest line mate last year and for the first like half or so of the year until they finally sat him down was RJ Umber. Oh man. Like <laughs> and everyone's like, Why isn't why isn't Scott Lawton scoring? Hmm, I wonder why. Oh, we went through so many shows without mentioning R.J. I think that might be the first mention of RJ Umber. I think Umber. it yeah. might be. We made it to so many. He didn't even get like he didn't even get a tryout. I don't see. And it, it was well, kind of, he wasn't good. It was, he went it was like a hundred games without yeah. scoring a goal. I remember when he finally got that one after like a full season's worth of games without a goal. I just, yeah, was, I literally like the, could not control my laughter in the press box. I was like, I was dying laughing because oh he was like, yeah, I got one. Like, there was this like was, back in like back in like 2004. There was this like Sammy Kapanen celebration where he like stuck his arms up and like like looked at the sky and screamed. And that was what RJ Umberger did when he scored that yeah. goal last year. Yeah. Like I was just like, oh, dude, C- come down just a minute. So we we mentioned the the Phantoms. Just wanted to go. Through they're winning, here. so they're they had an eight game winning streak. Um, it was broken this week because they don't have Ghost. Um, <laughs> they got but, rid of Ghost, and now they're winning. <laughs> the, 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 but their their top their top goal their top points points scorers yeah uh jordan wheel 15 points in 13 games tj brennan defenseman 14 points in 15 games south jersey zone <laughs> taylor lear is 14 points in 15 games greg carey 13 points in 15 games and danik martell 10 points in 12 games not bad and the goaltending has been fantastic too i mean since alex lyon came up i think he had like 30 and 33 saves in the two wins this weekend um he's been great yes yeah, Stol- i mean since since, since Stollers came Stollers up, played really every so. game until they called him up now right. lyon's playing every game and it seems like he's doing great too yep. yeah they they have some goaltending which which makes me believe uh they're going to trade both mason and neuvert probably to the habs <laughs> along with Shane. in a package yeah. with yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. for carry price the, the one thing i will say and not to like not to belabor the like not to jump on the well, actually the Phantoms are bad because they're clearly not. But it was really frustrating at the start of this year when they got off to such a bad start because yeah. like Ron Hextall stacked that team with so much talent <laughs> in the off season. Like he signed like every single dream good, team. He signed like every single good AHL free agent there was with the goal of making this team really good. And they got off to a really bad start. Like they looking at like some of the like some of the possession numbers that um, people have used. They use the data from AHL games to estimate what the possession numbers probably are and where the hell do you find ahl stats because unless you're looking for the top 20 scorers it ain't it ain't around ain't there <laughs> they don't even track ice time in the AHL. <laughs> yeah um but like you look at the roster and it was stacked uh, and they were, they were down there like they were down there like 26 25th 24th in like these estimated shot attempt numbers and you're like this team's loaded this should not be this bad so the fact that they finally figured out i mean it's great news i'm glad they did but it was almost like, well, it's about time, considering all the good AHL players they have on the team. I think their their goal differential is actually t- 
top in the AHL now, or it's close at least. Like it's plus nineteen. So yeah, I mean, I guess uh, that's what an eight-game winning streak gives you, right? Uh, I suppose so. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you, uh, Travis, you mentioned uh, Stellaris getting the call up, Alex Line taking over, goalieing, goalieing. That's a goaltending duties for uh, for the Phantoms. When does Stellaris get in for the Flyers? They have back-to-backs when tomorrow this week. Yeah, this yeah. Week. I mean, I, looking I, at the schedule, I mean, you've got two two games here. I mean, do you put them in against the Lightning though? I mean, uh, do you put them against the Panthers? I mean, that's a decent team too. So, I don't know. I mean, it, looking at <laughs> if you're not going to put them in either of those games, it, it, it gets tough. I mean, you have the Rangers, you have uh, the Flames, who maybe maybe throw them in. I'm the looking Sunday at night Calgary. The Flames. Calgary's yeah. kind of the one. I, I thought I read something earlier today. I don't remember where, but I saw something pop up that says Stolar's likely to make his debut. I don't remember if it was this week or within the next two days. But if you don't have him play in the next two days, he's not going to play against the Rangers. I think I saw. So the you're same, probably yeah. so if he doesn't play. You're, any of these next three games, you got Mason playing three in four days. And That's maybe insane. he likes that. You, you always hear goalies saying, like, you know, you want to play him a bunch of times in a row, get him in a groove, but... Three games in four days with that third game being an afternoon game, yep. that's tough. Yeah. A road back-to-back and then a Friday afternoon when you're eating turkey all Thursday. It's, yeah. It's, that's tough. He's not not ideal for our, our only NHL goalie right now. <laughs> not, not ideal. I don't know, uh, Bill. You think Stollers might be. What's up? Stollers is, is is the goalie of the future, though, according to you. I think so. Someone is. Someone has to be. <laughs> Him. It, it ain't Mason. And it ain't Neuvert. Well, like, who? Um, Him, Carter Hart, one of them. Carter Hart won, killing it. He yeah. won something he today. Uh, WHL goalie here. of the week, I think yeah. it was. Yeah. Which is good. He's probably yeah. won 16 times before, but <laughs> what's a 17? It's going to be neat to watch him in the World Juniors, because yeah. he's clearly mm. going to be Canada's starting goalie. And, like, when was the last time the Flyers had, like, a mate, like, did they ever had Canada starting goal? I doubt it. Yeah, like, Probably yeah. Not. it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, we Who are about, these flyers? Talk about Mason getting into a groove, though. I mean, he kind of has, right? He struggled on Saturday, but the three before but that. It's the Tampa good. Bay Lightning, too. Yeah. They're a really good team. I mean, without Steven Stamkos. No Stamkos. <laughs> no, uh, Mason has been a lot better. Uh, he was uh, very, very good against Winnipeg. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Like he was the reason. No, he won he, he won them that game, and also their goalie being atrocious. True, the, a combination of those two things. But hey, it's fun to flip the script every now and then. It's been the other way all year, so you're bound to get one of them. But yeah, uh, I would like to see Mason get in a groove because I, I, they're not making the playoffs without him getting in that groove. That's that is pretty clear. Speaking of getting in a groove, power play was just dominant. To begin the season, uh, they're o for their last ten. Is this something to worry about, or is this just what happens? Maybe I mean, so Saturday's game they were o for five, and it seemed like they started really well. The one thing I noticed in those three power plays they had in the first period, where they held the puck in a lot, didn't score, but it seemed like they got close. Tampa was really keying in on Simmons. Like anytime they tried to go down to him, they had two guys down there shadowing him, and that led to the Flyers firing it in a lot. And Tampa was A, blocking a lot of shots in that game, and B, Vasilevsky was making the saves. And if Simmons isn't there to clean any of that up, it that's a that's a huge part of the power play that gets taken away. That's now, they didn't they didn't seem able to just find a rebound early yeah. and Vasilevsky killed it. Like yep. he played a great game. Mm-hmm. No, from from what I at least this is from what I've been seeing over the past couple you know, I guess week is when the power play has been, you know, supposedly struggling. It, it seems like they're they're still shooting a lot. Like the the, the shot metrics seem pretty good. So I'm not terribly concerned this is going to keep up. 
I'm actually trying to pull these numbers right now. But, so, yeah, so, um, so, like, a good power play is usually around, like, 100 Corsi events per 60. And against, um, on the 15th, they were at 89, which is, eh. Um, on the 17th, they were at 128, which is very good. And then on, then on the 19th, they were at 101, which is also good. So, it seems like they're generating shots. Um, I'd have to delve in to see if, like, they're not generating quality chances. Um, but the, the shot attempts are good, which implies that they're setting up and they're blasting away. So this isn't, in my mind, a situation where like the process is all that flawed. It's probably just that they're going through a little bit of a cold stretch and they'll, they'll get it going. I, the power play is the least of my concerns at this point. So are you telling me I just need to trust the process? I'm telling you to just trust the process. <laughs> so you hear that, Taylor? <laughs> Sixers one night. Uh, the one thing that is concerning me about the power, I said this on Twitter, a good power play is like a slugger. You're going to have some strikeouts, and then you're going to get in a groove, and they're going to be three for four at some point, probably this week, and everything will be fine. But Jake Voracek, I think he shot like 1.2% on the power play last year, and we're all like, that's just going to change. He'll be fine. That'll be part of his bounce back. He has very much bounced back this year. Still no power play goals. Hmm. I'd love it if you went an entire show without comparing baseball to hockey. Just like one show. Why do you think love it if you stopped? Why do you think I do it? Because it makes me angry. Well, that's just which is why we have the intro and outro songs that we do. (laughs) (laughs) So Provorov seems to be coming around, eh? Mm -hmm. I'm really liking what I've seen from Provorov. Um, I kind of hinted at this last week. Uh, it was something that I didn't, I didn't talk about too much because I didn't want to like get people all crazy because they can get crazy about this sort of thing. I don't know what you're talking <laughs> about. But, 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 but like Provorov in the first maybe 15 games, like his his raw shot attempt numbers were really good. Like he was around like 52, 51, 53 percent Corsi, like positive relative to relative to his teammates. But if you look at his expected goal numbers, they were really bad. Like, he was down near Andrew McDonald in terms of, like, expected goal differential, which kind of played it, – it it was backed up by the narrative that he was struggling defensively and that, you know, okay, well, the numbers maybe not showing that he's having some issues in, in coverage and whatnot. And, yeah, in all honesty, probably was. Well, I looked at the numbers this morning, and I think now he's about break-even relative to his teammates, and that's because over the last, like, two weeks, he's been really good in everything. Like – I think maybe over the past two weeks, he's maybe had like one bad game. Um, I'm forgetting exactly which one it was, but there was one game where I thought he he looked out of it. But aside from that one game, I think he's been really, really good across the board. And I think it's just a matter of time where he gets his first goal. Like He's banging on the door. That's I thought he, uh, I guess it was, I can't remember, the Thursday game, I think he came in on the rush and just the puck hopped over his stick. Yeah, yeah. That was a rough one, but he's going to get one. Uh, they had him up on the on the top power play, I think, at the end of the Tampa Bay game, uh, in for Ghost, but... I, I just got I just got so angry I wanted to knock over like a chair. Okay. Because like so we're talking about I'm going back an hour. So we're talking about ghosts getting scratched and not Matilda. Sending, not Matilda. Not Matilda. Okay. No, no, okay. not Matilda. And and sending a message to the locker room. Well, what is it saying to this young defenseman, first year pro, that all right, well, this guy who's been an NHL professional player who is allowed to take chances is no longer allowed to take chances because now he's going to get healthy scratched. What is it saying to the rookies? Now I'm angry again. (laughs) I don't know. It may be. It's tough to put yourself in like the minds of the rookies because 
they could be getting totally different feedback in you know private meetings with Hackstall and with you know with Gord Murphy. Like you just you don't know. Yeah, it, you know, I definitely if I was if I was Proveroff, I'd have my eyes open a little bit more, and I you know try to kind of trying to be you know get a get a handle on the prevailing winds. You know, are we playing more conservative now? What's going on here? But. At the same time, I'm sure they're giving him directives, and it seems like he's been more aggressive, especially offensively, as he's gotten more accustomed to the NHL. So I, I'm not, I'm not in quite in panic mode yet, but yeah, it's some something to look at. I think it's something just more to look at the team as a whole. Yeah, you know, or is the will the team as a whole be playing more conservative? You know, over the next two three weeks due to this, due to kind of like a mandate from the top. Yeah. I don't know, but but it's, it's certainly something to keep an eye on. And that's the last thing that I want is for them to be scared to take chances. Uh, we're running out of time here. Just real quick, John Scott rule in the All Star voting. <laughs> How excited is everybody? It's not going to do anything. No, we can still no. figure out some kind of clown candidate. Like there's there's nothing stopping anyone. He just has to be on a roster between November first and still on the roster by January twenty sixth. We can figure this do you, out. Do right? you guys hear that? That that's Andrew McDonald's All Star. <laughs> yes. No. <laughs> Let's do it. Perfect way to get him. We're doing get him, this. Get him to be a trade deadline. Uh, or, look. Philly Twitter, or we're doing pre- this. They'll pressure Ron Hextall. They'll everybody. pressure Ron Hextall to send him down to the AHL. Which is the good deadline. for everybody. That's good this, for this everybody. Okay, Kurt, I'm sold. <laughs> Worst case scenario, Andrew McDonald plays in the All Star game. Best case scenario, he's demoted or traded. <laughs> everybody listening, vote for Andrew McDonald in the All Star game. Haven't we learned Hashtag that it's, it's not nice to make fun of hockey players? Like it's not this is it's like it's mean. This is a mean thing. And it happened to work out with John Scott just because of the kind of human being that John Scott is. Like he took it in stride. But we've talked so many times about how great Andrew McDonald is as a person. I think you'd take it in stride too. Yeah, well, this no, is, like this he's is, an all star like, human being. Mean. And that's what I, like, I want him elected to, to the all star game. I want him. <laughs> Where he's saying it's me. different. Yeah, Chris Vanderveldi's just a total asshole. <laughs> as we know. It's Vote different. AMAC for the 2017 all star game. That. Is all the time we have for you this week on Broad Street Hockey Radio. Uh, for myself and everyone with me, we would like to wish you all a happy Thanksgiving. Have a great week, Philly. Are you ready to talk about sports? Yeah! Who's gonna score hockey goals? Our team! No one does more hockey than our boys. The Flyers! Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even 
stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. <laughs>